Allow me to begin by saying that this is my favorite one so far, by a pretty big margin, if I'm being honest. While I do think Halo 2 did have a superior story, and a far more engaging story, this game had a much more, uh, much better presented story, better cutscenes uh, in many respects, and of course, absolutely knocked it out of the park from the gameplay perspective. Uh, this game is the first Halo game to get a sushi tag, for example. Uh, excuse me, a combo of number four tag. And I, uh, if you want just the summary answer of why I feel that is, the answer is polish. Now, I know this was Bungie, or the core Bungie team's last game before they moved on to work on Destiny 1, which is a game we will probably not talk about anytime soon. But I bring that up because it's something that I feel has been absent in almost every game so far, to some extent or another. There's been some kind of jank or issue or problem or bugs or just, just kind of issues, you know? Whereas this one, it felt like, no, no, they sat down and they took their time and they really polished it. I can imagine the QA cycle on this one just being ridiculous. Now, polish, of course, uh, that's kind of a broad word. Let's talk about some specifics. One of the things they did was they upped the enemy variety a bit. So we have some of the same types of enemies we've previously encountered, but they have new weapons. Or they have slightly different AI cycles. Or they are found in groups with other enemies, which allows to vary up the, in, the nature of the encounter. The Doom approach to encounter design, for example. The terrain is something that they actually utilized, I wouldn't say the, for the first time, but it, honestly I kind of feel like this is the first time where the terrain has really been substantially relevant with regards to the mission design. Uh, specifically, um, there are sections where there are specific slants and slopes in the hills while you are pretty much guaranteed to be in a vehicle, which allow you to dodge and move and weave as you are going through much stronger and much more numerous vehicles. You know, you, it's you against like eight other guys, but because the terrain is designed in such a way that you have places where you can dodge, weave, hide, or move around so that their arcing shots will hit the terrain, all of a sudden you now have options as long as you're willing to move with it. This is not the only example of this. There are other examples as well. Um, some of the internal uh, building design areas feel more... I almost want to say guided, but that's kind of the wrong word. It feels like there's more options with regards to how you move through any given set piece because they have decided to make it so that there's this platform and there's a, there's a staircase up here and a staircase over here and you can move up alongside here. There's also a gun up here. There's a health pack down here. There's going to be these enemies here. Those enemies are going to drop these type of weapons and so forth and so on. But the point is because of the flow of how this staircase and how this little ramp thing and how these things here move, you have more options with regards to the terrain. So it matters more. Another thing I like is the gun variety. Now, they change the guns every single one of these games, and I still think Halo 1 probably nailed gun design the best, even though it had the least number. It did, did a lot of very careful, obvious, well-designed thought was put into the gun design in 1. But there's a lot of new guns. Well, there's several new guns in this one, and most of them fulfill some kind of niche or another, and again, usually are designed for the encounter in question. So most of the time when you encounter a gun that's either new or different than the one you currently have as your default loadout, you can go ahead and charge into an area and get you know whatever it needs in order to help you get through that particular encounter. Getting a sniper rifle with 55 ammo before you do a sneaking mission, getting uh, access to the new uh, needle rifle right before you make a long charge across long terrain, having access to the grenade launcher right before you do the beach landing, Stuff like that. 
helps to is again part of that and all of this is all an aspect of level design now I've seen level design at this equal before that would be in Halo 3 which had very excellent level design across the board but I think this one it kind of beats it if I'm being completely honest if nothing else on variety we have the hold the line tower defense mission which is actually probably the best designed mission from a purely gameplay perspective in the entire game where you have enemies that are going to be coming in at regular intervals from certain spots which will and there's plenty of terrain you can use against them or for yourself you can capture the freaking uh the no not the ghost the ghost the wraith i think is the is this one yeah and the phantoms the big ones yeah you can capture a wraith and use it which i absolutely did it was fantastic and fun oh yeah by the way jetpacks i'll come back to that for a second you have these turrets, which not only have a little label in the upper right of your screen, which shows their current health and, you know, labeling A, B, C, D, but you'll also see them as you pan around, so you actually have good HUD design there as well. And they can be restored if they're taken down, and the, you, just there's, there's a lot of well-designed stuff with regards to that. It's, it's a hold-the-line mission, but as much as hold-the-line missions have a bad rap in video games, and for good reason, the fact is, a well-designed hold-the-line mission is awesome. See StarCraft for a good example of some well-designed hold-the-line missions. This is no exception. I think this one is excellent. We've also got the thing where we go up in space. This is actually probably my second favorite mission overall, where not only do we have the fighter jet, which behaves like a World War II craft, let's just get that out of the way, but... <laughs> But it's it's very smooth and very well designed. Uh, it's really quick and easy to switch back and forth between the auto cannons and the missiles, which home in. The home in locks in very quickly. The HUD is very indicative. This is also when the lighting design comes in. Forgive me for bringing this up, but this is something I haven't seen done well in this series since Halo 1. I don't remember if I talked about it during the rumination of Halo 1. But back in Halo 1, I never felt like I didn't know what I was looking at. At every point in the game, the game was designed in a way. Now this is on the remaster, the new graphics. The game was designed in a way, so there was something to indicate where I was looking at. I could always see through the fog, through the effects, and through the explosions. 2, 3, and ODST didn't have that. There were several points where I was effectively firing blind. Reach goes back to that idea. I, I never felt like I was firing blind in this game. There was always something to indicate it. Um, I wrote down a couple of examples here. So enemy enemy shot arcs are uh, much more indicative, and it's really obvious to see where they're coming from. There's the shield pulses, which will show up, which which you can see through other effects. So even if like you can't actually see the uh, the elite, for example, if you hit them, you will actually see that shield pulse through the fog or through the explosive effect or whatever. And, of course, the one I was just referencing, which is getting back to the mission we were just talking about, there's these little purple trails, which are very distinct, and the color design of almost all the area in that space area does not have the color purple in it, so that you can immediately detect and see the color purple when you see it, which shows you where the enemy craft are, even if you can't see the tiny little pixel that indicates where that particular ship is. Then we go and board the Corvette, I think it was, specifically, and that is a brilliant mission. This is also when the sound design comes in. This, this game probably has some of the best sound design I've seen of the franchise so far. Um, obviously, there's some good dust on my glasses, as well as the, the, you know, you can hear this coming from here, you can hear the grunts. Notice they're not actually speaking English this time around. That was interesting. I'm going to just blame that on Cortana, because I'm not sure what the actual canon explanation is for that. Or the absence of Cortana, I suppose would be a better way to put that. But the sound design here, the, the way it muffles everything but the music when you're in no atmo is brilliant. And it makes the sequence much more terrifying. And 
I had been using sound design and sound indicators to figure out where the enemies were and where the shots were coming from, where my allies were constantly. Because obviously, in an FPS, your peripheral vision doesn't exist. This is the, the, great, the, the great design paradox of designing a first-person shooter game, is because you have no peripheral vision. And, and if, if you don't actually know what I'm talking about, please forgive me for discussing this for those of you who do, but if you just do this, this is kind of your field of vision. Uh, when it comes to an FPS game. Obviously, you can you move this in and out by adjusting your FOV, but this is where it's at. And if this doesn't sound weird to you, I want you to imagine just walking around, especially in a combat scenario, where you simply cannot see around you. You effectively have the blinders on. So, good audio design in an FPS is critical to uh, allow, allowing the player to have some kind of indicative of what else there is going on. Good HUD design is another good example of a way to allow the player to be aware of what's going on, but that's neither here nor there. So we jump on there and we have this thing and we, we <laughs> that, that one elite really didn't want to die. My goodness, that took forever to kill him. We managed to take the Corvette out and this is probably a good time to go ahead and start uh, talking about... Oh, actually, no, I want to talk about one other thing. If you'll remember, I mentioned how I felt like the overworld section didn't really work for me in the previous game. And I felt like if you just literally just chopped it in third and had it structured a little bit differently. So you're still moving around, and you're still doing the missions, uh, each of the other characters' missions, and then you're, uh, you're getting like the audio logs as you're going kind of a thing. I think that would have worked a lot better. But funnily enough, this game kind of proves me right on that, in my opinion. When we have... I forget the name of the mission. I think it's New Alexandria is the name of the mission. Please forgive me. It's the mission where you have the bird... And you get a series of randomly generated, like, okay, go do this objective kind of thing as you're just moving throughout the city. And then you get the final thing, and, that, and then cat die, spoiler. But the reason I bring that up is I think that kind of format would work brilliantly for that. And again, shows what I mean. Imagine, if you don't understand the format, imagine you've got the bird, and, and again, it gets across the exact same tone. The, the, the somberness, the melancholy, the, the fact that this is a ruined city that's already destroyed and we're just doing what we can with the remnant of it. The exact same tone is there. Well, I don't want to say the exact same. Very similar tone is there. But imagine that, except when we go to do the random, you know, shut off the, the transmitter kind of a thing. Instead, what happens is we get one of the missions, just like in ODST, right? And it's like, oh my god, there's this thing, and then you go do that. And so you have the, the interconnecting mission, and then you have the individual missions. And, I, and, I, and that format worked brilliantly for me. If I might also be so bold, uh, one of the things that this game does brilliantly is it makes it very, very clear, uh, pretty much from the moment you take out the supercarrier, but most of the game, that you are on the back foot. We arrive, and the Covenant are already here. We go scouting, and we find out there's already an assault force. We take out the main battery, and it turns out that was actually hiding a supercarrier. Nice job, Arby. Good tactics. Sorry about the noise if you can hear it. It's raining here very heavily. And then it's like, okay, well, let's take out the supercarrier. Oh, here comes the rest of the fleet. Okay, well, let's evacuate the city. Nope, the city's glassed. Okay. <laughs> and we just, we just fail. We consistently fail. How many of you have seen uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King? Obviously, I have many, many, many times. But there's a quote from that movie which applies to this film, or this film, excuse me, this game brilliantly. Hail the victorious dead. Because that's us. Spoilers, of course. We die. We die horribly. Our whole squad dies. But we were victorious. We, our definition of victory was achieved throughout the course of this game. Every single step we made, we did advance towards the inevitable goal, which effectively paved the way for Master Chief and Cortana to be able to lead to the events of Halo 1, Halo 2, 
and Halo 3. If we had not done that, they would not have succeeded, and that would have been game. Narratively speaking, as weird as it may sound, I've already kind of drifted into talking about narrative here, so please forgive me. I mentioned the tone, I mentioned the back, uh, the back foot thing. The characters didn't quite work for me, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, they were okay, they just were just kind of there. I, it's the same general problem I had with the previous game, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, so none of the individual characters really jumped out at me, except for Jorge, excuse me, George, who was pretty cool in several things. There's, a, there's some little subtle bits there, uh, especially between him and uh, Emil, which was nice little interactions there. And Jorge... George's uh, interactions with you know the, the Hungarian woman is a nice little touch as well. It's, it's some good stuff. But that's about it. It was nice to see Keys again. And we get to see uh, Halsey? Halsey? I've already forgotten her name. Cortana 0.0. <laughs> which I wish had not been spoiled for me, but when we were playing, I forget which, one of the previous games, one of the people in chat actually flat out said that, and so I was like, oh, okay. I hadn't actually known that myself. But this is when that's revealed. Cortana was... Uh, mind imprinted off of her, which makes a lot of sense, given her general mentality and the mentality of this woman in particular. Not what I would call an evil woman, but definitely um, a very bureaucratic woman. And very driven with regards to her particular goals and ends, and not really caring about much else. Very get-rid-of-the-chafe, uh, get-rid-of-the-fat the kind of a person, which doesn't surprise me, since that seems to be Cortana's approach as well. <sighs> Tone is such a big deal in this one. There's so many good scenes. There's so many uh, good presentation. There's a bit where... This is brilliant, by the way. There's a... So I've mentioned two of my favorite missions. Let me mention my third favorite mission. This is kind of branching into narrative as well, so forgive me. There's this bit where we are... We have we have just fallen out of the supercarrier, and we smash down, and we grab our gun, and we're like, okay, let's deal with this. And we just decide to walk through, and we end up in an area with which is mostly has civilians, but all of the enemies we have to fight there are grunts, most of which are suicide charging us, which are really easy to deal with, but if they reach you, you're dead. The uh, one-trick one pony kind of an enemy. So we also start off with just a pistol, Nothing else. No, not, no second weapon. And we're already damaged. So we start, we literally start off on the back foot and we spend some time fighting against the gro uh, grunts as we're pushing through. And then we get to the civilian section. They're like, help us, please. And that's when we see the brutes. Now, what's interesting is the first brutes we fight are all the weak ones. No armor, no shields, no nothing. And they've just got that, uh, I forget what it's called. It's the one with the, the spikes underneath and it shoots the molten hot metal. That one. So we got that gun. So this then gives us a nice little option for our second gun, and because there are so many of them and they all use that gun, we can now decide this is part of that encounter design thing I mentioned earlier. We now have access to plenty of ammunition, which is also very good at killing them. So we now have a method of progression. But shortly after this, we start getting access to other weapons, and now that we've had access to health, and now that we've had time to catch our breath, this is when the brutes show up with armor. And there's this, just this nice little... It's just like... Uh, and then you just kind of start getting going again. This is another excellent example of gameplay pacing, by the way, something I've talked about several times when it comes to the Halo series and gaming in general. They had to bring it down, and having brought it down, they allowed for a slow escalation back up. And it is a slow escalation. In fact, I would say the entire mission is one big slow escalation back up, because then we have the rescue mission thereafter, which is once again bringing the tone right back down. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about the narrative side of that, too. Obviously, that's a big moment narratively, and God, the camera work in this in this in this game is so good. It they really do some excellent stuff with the camera and and the cuts the cutscenes the way they're actually shot. 
But why are we fighting brutes in the civilian center, where we're fighting elites in the military centers? Oh, wait. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I don't even have anything to add to that. There's just a brilliance to that. When we're fighting the front lines, when we're fighting the actual military areas, we're fighting elites and their support staff. But the brutes were sent in to go after the civilian populace. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, that speaks for itself. I really think it does. And leads very neatly, of course, into Halo 2, which is, I believe, three months after this? Something like that. It's, it's relatively short after this. Fun. The game ends where Halo 1 begins. And, again, leads very directly into Halo 1. And... I wanted to talk about that as well, because I know some people don't like prequels as a matter of course. I know several people like that, and several friends, some more family members, who are just like, no, death to prequels. Be and, and there's several reasons why. Um, I don't agree. Like, I don't fully get their arguments. Uh, and if anybody out there wants to share your thoughts on anti-prequelness, please feel free to do so. You know, I, I, I am as always interested in your guys' thoughts and comments. But I will say, a good prequel is much harder to do than a good sequel. Because a good prequel has to end in a way that leads into the original work. You, you've, you've already got... It, you're basically chopping yourself off at the knees. However, it is my personal opinion that a truly creative team can actually look at that and say, okay, and use that challenge as an advantage to move forward, to explain some things, to polish some things, to line up some things, to do what this game did. I think this is a good prequel, by the way, if it's not obvious by the fact that I gave it the sushi tag. Excuse me, the combo 4 tag. Having to end where Halo 1 began was certainly an interesting feat, and it makes me wonder how much of the extended universe, which certainly existed by the time Reach came out, they were taking into consideration when it came to this. I know they did retcon a few things, because Bungie has had their own particular opinion with regards to the books. I know the extended Halo lore is all over the place, because what's considered canon isn't. Changes, depending on who's in charge at the time. But... I do think that they did a good job of leading directly into Halo 1. Very Rogue One, if you will. We could see why Rogue One, excuse me, we could see why A New Hope happens the way it has happens, for the exact same reason we can see why Halo 1 happens the way it happens. This also then explains why they were so surprised why there was already a Covenant fleet at that particular Halo, Halo ring. It's like, okay, we got away from Reach, and what are they doing here? <laughs> we just, uh, okay... And, of course, the light frigate, uh, Pillar of Autumn. Autumn certainly can't fight that kind of a fleet by itself. It's nothing short of astonishing that Cortana was able to do what she was able to do in general. It also helps to explain why she was considered such a high-value asset that she had to be removed from the, the ship systems because they'd just gotten her and she was the package, right? And, of course, the lead into the Halo thing, etc., etc. Good stuff. Very, very good stuff. I very much like this. <sighs> But you don't want to hear why I liked it. You, I, well, I, I want to hear something from you guys. If this was the end of Halo, would you have been okay with that? Like, if, if this was Terminus Point. You know, we had Halo 3, and then we have ODST, which showed, you know, which was a midquel. And then we have this, which is a prequel, and that's it. What would you have thought about that? Now, I'm not saying it's a bad or a good thing. I'm just curious of your thoughts, since we will be covering Halo Wars tomorrow, which I believe is another prequel, and then we'll be covering Halo War, Halo 4, excuse me, whenever we finish Halo Wars, which I have no idea when that's going to be. I also find myself wondering, this is one of those... <laughs> I know... So I haven't commented on this at all yet, and indeed don't really plan to comment on it much, but I know that a lot of the Halo fan base has been anti, pro, and versus each other when it comes to the 343 thing. 
Now, I don't have much experience with that. All I know is the stuff that they have touched up in the previous games, thanks to the MCC stuff. Uh, and I don't think they made Halo Wars. So I think Halo 4 is going to be my first 343 game. I could be wrong about that. Either way, it'll be interesting to see it going forward, because that's another topic in its own right, isn't it? Handing off the reins to someone else. Here's my franchise. Do something with it, please. Star Wars. And you're probably thinking, oh, he's talking about the sequel trilogy. Uh, no. Uh, actually, I was thinking of the EU in general, because that's kind of what happened. You know, the original rights holders, the original license holders were like, hey, make some stuff. And so we have the Star Wars EU, which had a lot of good and had a lot of bad, and a lot of great and had a lot of drag. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Halo. I do know that the books are their own thing, and they're widely liked by quite a few people. I hear them recommended fairly often. I feel like I should say more about a game I enjoyed this much, but ultimately... The, the whole point of this is to kind of summarize my, the end of the, the streams. That's kind of the point of these particular ruminations. And I don't have much else to share. The specific details of this game are brilliant, beautiful, polished to a wonderful sheen. And I enjoyed every moment of it. This is also the only other Halo game now that I would have ever any, any intent of replaying at any given point in time. Just to experience it. Just to have fun with it. So I might leave this one installed and uninstall the other ones. What do you guys think about this one? Especially in comparison to the previous ones. I hope you've enjoyed my thoughts, guys. Hail the victorious dead.